Good morning, good morning, good morning. Let me be the second to say Merry Christmas to you. It is the first Sunday of Advent, and I pray and trust y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving as we step into this Advent season on right on the end of that song. That it was a beautiful, beautiful song, and I hope you get it down in your heart and you begin to, to, to just live and pray some of those lyrics. It's an urgent call. There was an urgent call in that song, and it began with, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Moses. I'm calling on the God of David. And then this, this, it expressed this urgency, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need the one who established the generations for Jacob. I need the one who opened the sea for Moses. I need the one who, who dropped the giant Goliath by just delivering him into, right into to the stone that was flipped by David's sling, a, a, a young man at the time. I'm calling on that same God. Many of, many of us say that today. We have that, that same urgency. I'm calling on you. But that urgency and that sentiment, that spans history. That spans the history of mankind. That same sentiment, it was in the heart of so, so many 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago in the first century. Because... It's, what was their urgency? It seemed the voice of God had gone silent. In the first century, those that were waiting and anticipating a, a promise that God had made about a Savior, 400 years or nearly 400 years had, had passed since God's people had heard from an authentic prophet God's people, this was the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And in the first century, they were calling on the God of Jacob. There was, there was a faithful group that was calling on the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of David, as they waited and anticipated a savior. Since they had last heard from a prophet, the prophet that was called Malachi, Israel had gone through a, a struggle, a struggle to be an independent nation. They had been oppressed. They had been uh, oppressed by the, the Seleucid Empire. This was a, that was a Greek state that held power for about 250 years, kept them uh, under their thumb, and that, that empire eventually fell to the Romans. And then the Romans came in and they occupied that whole area of Israel and the capital city of Jerusalem. It was hard times. It was hard times for the Jewish people to be controlled, occupied. I imagine many of them could have been saying exactly the same lines that we just heard from this song. Lord, you heard your children way back then. Hear us now. Hear us now. You answered prayers back then. I know you will answer them now. You moved in power then. Lord, move in power. God, move in power now. We need you. 
thousands of years earlier, the, the Jews had been slaves for 400 years. In, in Egypt, they had been in bondage, and God moved in power, and he saved that people from bondage. I imagine faithful Jews saying, God, it's been 400 years since we've heard your voice. It was 400 years our people were in bondage. You moved in power. You saved them. You did it. You sent a Savior. Send us a Savior. Now, now if we were to put an image on all that they were going through, the time that they were living in, we could describe it, and this is how the Bible actually does describe it as a deep, utterly dark night. And it, it, it was in this night, in this darkness, that they were waiting. The faithful were waiting, and they were watching through the dark, waiting for their Savior, waiting for the promised Messiah, waiting and watching. And waiting and watching through the night, this was not something that was unusual might be something unusual for us we typically get in bed we sleep six hours eight hours whatever we sleep through but during those times uh, it was common it actually was necessary for there to be a, a watch cities were walled and into walls of the cities there was integrated watchtowers so that there could be a watch why so enemies couldn't sneak up. Enemies couldn't ambush the city. They couldn't take the city by surprise. A vineyard owner, and Jesus used this very example, a vineyard owner plants a vineyard and he puts a wall around it. Why might a, a vineyard owner build a wall around his vineyard and then build a watchtower? Well, to make sure that the crop doesn't get infiltrated by wild animals or thieves that might want to come and, and steal the harvest. Of course, if it was daylight, watching, it's not really that difficult. You could look out and see, oh, here come some marauders, let's prepare, and we can keep them away. There's an animal, whatever, we can make sure it doesn't get in. Watching by the night, it's a little different. But on a beautiful night, a beautiful moonlit night, when the moon's shining bright, when the stars are filling the sky, it's not really impossible. It's a little more difficult than the daylight, but still, there's light. Things can be seen. Someone sneaking up perhaps could be caught. But imagine a deep, utterly dark night, a moonless night, a starless night you probably wouldn't want to be the one stand and watch. And think about it, imagine it. No electricity, no artificial light. There's no night vision goggles available for the, watch, the watcher on, in the tower. An enemy could set a trap. An animal could get into the field. And if you were the one who missed it, now there's something to explain on that deep, dark night. 
whoever's standing watch, whoever is standing watch, they're counting the minutes. They are counting the minutes. They are waiting. They're waiting. Every second seems like an eternity. And they're waiting and they're watching for what? They're waiting and watching for the first sign of the sun. They're waiting for the sun and the morning to rescue them from darkness. That's precisely what was going on on a deep and dark night where someone had to stand a watch. And there's a psalm. There is a psalm in the book of Psalms that expresses this. It expresses the darkness. It expresses the waiting. It expresses calling out to God during these times. And I want to share with you the entire psalm. It's Psalm 130. And it's just eight verses long. I'm going to read the whole thing. It gives us this this image. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I liked how Cameron put it this morning. Redemption ripped. Now, when, when the son Jesus arrived, redemption ripped. You know, this psalm, this psalm could have been adopted as a daily prayer for the faithful in the first century. As today is the first day of Advent, Advent means it means arrival. It means a coming, a coming of someone or something uh, that we would consider significant. And we take four weeks during this season to anticipate, celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We're anticipating, celebrating the fact that Jesus came to the earth, the promised Savior, the Messiah. Four weeks. Picture in your mind, instead of four weeks, of waiting and anticipating, you're at the tail end of four centuries. You believe God, yeah, you believe God. You trust his word. Your parents taught you, and as they they trusted God's word, you trust God's word as they did, and as the generations before them, you know what God has done in the past. You know that God has promised the future and a savior. But the wait's been long. The wait has been long. God's God's voice has been quiet 400 years. The time you're living in, it's like a, a night, a silent and dark as ink night. You can say like the psalm, I wait for you, Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning. 
More than watchmen wait for the morning. It's repeated in Psalm 130. That's an emphasis. There's an emphasis there about this waiting more than the watchmen. The watchmen, what were they doing? They were looking for the sun. They were looking for the sun. And as you're there in that first century and you know the promises of God, you too, you're, you're waiting more than those watchmen are counting the seconds that seem like an eternity. You're waiting for the sun. You're looking for this rising sun that brings with it a rescue, salvation from utter darkness. Hope is on the horizon. You're looking for it. And that's how Jesus was anticipated. And that's how he's been described in the word of God as the rising sun. He is the S-O-N, the son of God. He was anticipated as the S-U-N, a rising sun. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet who lived 750 years before the coming of Jesus, his prophecies, they were precise and they were accurate and he wrote about Jesus and he prophesied who Jesus would be he said Jesus would be coming this as the virgin birth he prophesied the virgin birth and that the Holy Spirit would be upon him and anoint him he prophesied the healing of the blind and the deaf and he said that Jesus, his earthly lineage would be in that of King David, but he'd be rejected by his people, yet he'd be determined. Isaiah wrote, he'd set his face like a flint to give his life, to go to Jerusalem, to be hung on a cross. And he wrote about how he was bruised and beaten and mocked and, and that he was scorned by the people and he was pierced, pierced by the nails of crucifixion, bearing our sin. And bearing our sorrows. Why? So that we could have peace with God. Isaiah prophesied all of this. He wrote all of this. And even more, even more. Isaiah said this of the coming Christ. Isaiah 9, verse number 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned this image this image of of the night deep and dark and a coming rising sun Isaiah isn't the only one who prophesied it it's just one example I give you today that the people they were walking in darkness and yet there was this light coming they would see this great light and that is those who were waiting those who were waiting and watching they saw the light. They saw the coming of Jesus as this great dawn, a sun rising, the sun that was coming to break through the deep and the dark night and, 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 and cast away all that darkness. After God had been silent for 400 years and a nation, their nation was occupied by the enemy. And yet as for the, the spiritual state of Israel and the Jewish nation, when Jesus was born, it was utter darkness. And that was the spiritual state of the leaders. Not everyone was looking and anticipating and watching with great hope. The leaders of Judaism, they were far from God. And their history had been one of rebelling against God. You can go back, you can go back to the garden for that matter. And then as this nation had been uh, advanced through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
They just began to turn against God and rebel against God. Through the Old Testament, you read about how they bowed down to man-made idols thousands of years before Jesus arrived. When Moses was leading all the people, what did they do? They built up a calf made of gold, bowed down to it and said, oh, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Generations followed, and they worshiped wood and bronze and stone. The Most High God, the Creator, Almighty God, He was patient. The Lord was patient and long-suffering. But after centuries and centuries of being just outright and thoroughly rejected, He let that nation fall into enemy hands People were scattered, they were taken captive, many were, many were killed. When Israel was afforded the opportunity to come back, to build another temple, they had this, this great second opportunity. Idolatry had been tamped down, but it wasn't utterly and completely eliminated. It wasn't as prevalent as it had been. But instead, Judaism fell into other sins. Judaism fell into strict legalism. God's commands were despised. The commands of men, the rules of the leaders became more important than God's word. There was the rise of the Pharisees, Pharisaical leadership, strict legalism. God's plans were despised. The hope for a savior wasn't really hope for a spiritual savior or someone to rescue people from their sin. The hope for a savior was we need a secular king, someone who will stamp out the Romans who've come and occupied our country. Most wanted this secular savior, a king who would crush the occupying enemy. God had been rejected again. And the station, or, or, or the, the state of the nation was this land living in deep, deep darkness. Now, there was a small a group of faithful, a small minority of those who were truly faithful. They hadn't been corrupted by the Pharisees and the hypocritical leaders. These few waited and they watched for the sun. But most weren't. They were just going about their lives with some false hope that there'd be a savior to rescue them from the Romans. And they were in darkness. John's gospel the opening lines speak to Jesus as the light. As Cameron was up here worshiping this morning, he recited the opening lines of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with him in the beginning. This is all about Jesus, and he created everything, and by him all things were created. Nothing exists that wasn't created by him. And then John begins to speak of Jesus as this great light. He wrote about it. I want to read to you John 1, 9 through 12. It's all about Jesus. John wrote, the true light that gives Light to everyone was coming into the world. This is Jesus, the light of the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When Jesus came into the world, like this blazing sun, 
Some did receive him. They were few compared to the many who didn't receive him. They were waiting and watching for the son. Luke, Luke's gospel goes on to tell us about some that were in the temple that had been anticipating so much when they saw the Christ child, they were overcome and said, oh, I know, this is, this is our Savior. Lord, you can take me now. I've been waiting. I've seen him. There were the few who were praying the words of Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. God, be attentive to my prayer for mercy, Lord. If you kept a record of wrongs and my sins, I couldn't stand, Lord. But I know that there's forgiveness in you and I'm waiting, Lord, I'm waiting. I put my hope in your word. I trust your promises. I wait, Lord, more than those watchmen are waiting for the morning where every second seems like an eternity, Lord, I'm waiting. And those who, who were waiting and watching, crying out from the depths, Jesus came. He came and he offered a full pardon, total forgiveness, no sacrifice necessary. You don't have to come with some animal or something to, to offer sacrifice. No, just come with a repentant heart, genuine, sincere repentance. Yet John wrote his own, his own Jesus' very own did not receive him. And today, many are in that same land. They're in that same state of deep darkness, unwilling to receive Jesus. Today, many are in the same darkness. And how can that be? How can it be if the sun is risen? How, how can anyone be in the darkness if the light is shining? If you think about light and dark, we can produce light. We can make light. We can make a fire. It produces light. We can use electricity. If it's dark and, and we have a flashlight, we can bust out our flashlight and there's this great beam of light that shoots out. Who in here has a flash dark? Anyone got a flash dark? It's light and I just want it dark. I could just boom. But there's no such thing. There's no such thing. How, if the light is out, how then is anyone in the darkness? Where darkness is, it's the absence of light, and I can't erase it. I'm in the light here. I just can't erase it. What do I got to do? Yeah, I have to screen. You know, I, if I screen, if I cover up, I could be in the dark. That's the only way that I can eliminate it totally hide from it, go into a cave. I have to go to a place where there's an absence of light. I have to hide from it. It's an intentional thing. And it's what happened when Jesus first arrived as that coming sunrise. The light was not received. It was blocked out. The same light of Christ is blocked out today. It's intentional. As people did then, people do now. They put themselves in the dark. They stay in the dark. And what, what is this that keeps them in the dark? What are, what are some of the intentional things that keep people in the dark? One's unbelief. The Bible writes about it quite often. 
Unbelief. The darkness of unbelief. The darkness of selfishness. Self-righteousness. It's all about me. Narcissism. This is rampant in, in, in this culture. Darkness of rebellion against God. Rejection of God. Rejection of his word. The word of God, really? Apply that to my life? Uh Uh-uh. Idolatry. Worship of money, status, entertainment, other people. Of course, self. Idolatry of self. Another rampant thing. Darkness. Darkness. Intentional darkness. There's the darkness of just error, iniquity, sin. The darkness of sin. And that's that's the final word that describes all of it. It's sin. In John's gospel, there's a famous scene where a Pharisee who was on the the council, he was on the the council of leadership of the the Jewish uh, faith, the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus under the cover of darkness. His name was Nicodemus. Nicodemus met Jesus in darkness likely because he feared the others on the council. They might find out, I'm talking to this Jesus guy that nobody likes. And the account is in John chapter three. And it's where Jesus coins a phrase. And the phrase is born again. You must be born again, he told Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was stunned. How can that even happen? I gotta crawl back into my mom's womb? It just is, Jesus, it's the impossible. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I paraphrase, Nicodemus, you're thinking all wrong. You're thinking all wrong. You're supposed to be a spiritual leader, a leader of people of faith, and you're thinking in the flesh? Crawl back in your mom's womb. Uh Uh-uh, no, no. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit, Nicodemus. This is why you shouldn't be surprised. I say you must be born again. And how does that come about, Nicodemus? It comes about by believing. You believe, believe. Get out of that darkness of unbelief and believe that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he was speaking of himself, that he's going to be a sacrifice for sin. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about his crucifixion and his sacrifice for sin. He used, a, he used a visual example that Nicodemus would have seen clearly. I get it. Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. You're going to be lifted up. And then John gave an, a, a summation of this account. John chapter 3, after, after this meeting with Nicodemus, he wrote verse uh, 19 to 21 of John chapter 3. This is the verdict. All right, here's the summation. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Uh Uh-oh, I gotta cover up. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now that, that passage of scripture really doesn't need much interpretation. We can just read it literally and receive it. 
It applied to those living then. It applies to us living now. Jesus, the light, has come into the world, but people love darkness instead. Their deeds are evil. They hate the light. They want to hide from it, run from it. They want to remain covered up. And Jesus says, you must be born again. He says, come into the light. Be born again. It just, it, it, it means come on in. Come on into the light. Come in, believe. There's forgiveness here. Come on in. There's forgiveness in the light. There's eternal life. In eternal life, that's what being born again is all about. It's all about a birth of your spirit, a birth to eternal life. And I can say, looking out over all of you, most all of you know that. You've come into the light. You can raise your hand and say, I'm born again. I got it. I'm with you. You've received the light. You live by the truth. And yet I know this. We can all have our moments. We can still have our days. We can still have our times. Got to hide from God. I got to get into the darkness. I don't want that to be seen. Selfishness, self-centeredness, narcissism, rebellion against God, rejection of his word, some kind of idolatry, addicted to whatever, getting your online likes and such, money, power, status, entertainment, other people, error, iniquity, sin, it's all sin. And there are times when we, we do that and we want to cover up and hide from the light. And why? Why? John said it clearly. We cover up from the light for fear our deeds will be exposed. Well, God sees through it all anyway. He sees them anyway. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You go back to that service and be reminded God sees it all. So what's the recourse? What shall we do? Come on into the light. When those times of slipping back into the dark occur, come into the light of Jesus Christ. It's never, ever, ever too dark. You're never in a place that's too dark. Whatever might have caused you to perhaps relapse into some kind of darkness, no matter how deep the dark, no matter how big the giant out of the depths, out of the depths of that, that dark place. Make the urgent call. Cry out to God. Lord, you forgive. Pray to the Lord there's forgiveness. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him, full redemption. Full redemption. Put your hope in his word. Put your hope in that word of Almighty God. You don't need to wait like the watchman anymore. The light has come. The light is here. Morning is broken. Step into the light today if you've never done that. If you've never said, oh yeah, I, I'm going to latch on to this thing called born again. If you always thought like those born agains, they're weird, they're strange. I don't, oh, they talk born again. I don't know. This is just the, the simple words of Jesus trying to explain to you eternal life is available to you. 
he was talking to a man of faith who was really smart and a leader of the whole, the whole faith of the nation. He said, look, let me just explain it to you. It's, it's nothing really hard to understand. You need to believe. Believe in your heart and your spirit. And your spirit will be renewed. Be born again. Step into that light if you've never done it this morning. If you've had a moment or a time where you've maybe you've stepped out of the light, you, you, you could say, I've, I am a person of faith, and yes, I love the Lord Jesus, but I've stepped into this dark place. Whatever it is, whatever it is, bring it into the light of Christ. See, that's John's verdict, right? Just bring it on into the light. And you know what? There's forgiveness. There is forgiveness when there's genuine repentance. There's pardon. Mercy is attainable. Jeremiah the prophet, he alluded to Jesus as the rising sun when Jeremiah said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Hey, it's an image of the sunrise every morning sometimes we go through those at times it's it's every morning we i need that i need that mercy of god i need it we can intentionally cover up or we we can intentionally get back into the light and receive his mercies and call on the god of jacob call on the god of moses call on the god of david you know what? You can call on a God, a God in the flesh. His name's Jesus. You can call on him. You know that same Jesus that walked the earth? You can call on him today. He walked the earth back then. They called on him. You can call on him today out of the depths, whatever it might be. His light was shining back then. It shines the same today. I wonder, do you need to call on him for anything? Do you need to call on Jesus for anything today? Let, let, let's close our time together just revisiting that song about calling on him. And if you need anything, anything at all, call on him. I mean, it may not even be that you're in some dark place. Maybe it's just a need, a need, and you know and you trust his word. Call on him today. I want to invite you to stand. If you're if you're in the back, if you're in the back area, we have some some of our elders and deacons will walk that back aisle, and 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 you elders or deacons in here, if anyone comes to these altars, just come on down and ask them if they need prayer. If, if you need prayer for anything this morning, hey, that same God, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, who became flesh and walked among us, He's here today. He's here. You can be born again too. You never did that. Step into the light. Come on. It's a great thing. It's eternal life. It's eternal life. You need him this morning? He's here. He's here. You need him for anything. And again, if you're if you're in those aisles in the back, you can raise your hand. You do, if you can't walk all the way to the front, we have some we have some elders in the back that are already praying with some back there. And uh, if if you need healing spiritually, physically. You're in a place that you just don't even see the way out. 
Call out to him today. Call out. You don't need to rush out of here. He is here for you today like he came 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your heart of giving, giving to us your son, who won for us eternal life. God, move on hearts right now, Lord. Many who are lost in a place where they've never, ever come out of that darkness. They've never said, God, I need this thing called being born again. Lord, I just pray if there's any who've, who, who are at home, who are not even in this house, Lord, I just pray if there's any crying out to you saying, I need that, Lord, you'd meet them. You would be that faithful God that gives them that eternal spiritual, new life, new birth. And Father, any of us here, if we, if we have a need, God, that maybe we've covered up, we've hid from you, you see it. Lord, help us just to bring it into the light and confess it and you're faithful to forgive and, 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 and then it's gone. You take it and you help us to move forward. God, bless, bless and help us all. I thank you and I praise you for that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You don't have to leave. You don't have to rush out. There are people here who care and will pray with you. And as, as, as we revisit some of the lines of this song, if you need that prayer, come on, come on forward.